everybody! So this is part B of our sex and other forms of intimacy episode. We are so excited to be able to announce to you that it is finally here. And it kind of starts off really abruptly, like right where we had left off in the previous conversation. You'll probably catch up and follow along, but it'll be a little weird when it starts. Or you can listen to the end of that episode again to remind yourself what the conversation had been, if you would like it to feel slightly less abrupt. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy part B as much as you enjoyed part A. It's just this weird kind of duality because I've also been like really, you know, an example of like emotional intimacy, like being like really emotionally vulnerable. Um, and I've like done that with complete strangers too. Some like there were these interesting specific example. I was would just walk around campus and and ask me like, oh hey, do you want to like do some kind of activity or can we ask you some questions? I'm like sure. And they had this like deck of cards, and then they were asking questions like find three images that represent, um, I don't know, like things you like about yourself, things you'd wish you'd change, so on and so forth. Um, you know, and then I was going into it in like a lot of detail and sharing things. I was like, oh yeah. And it went on for like half an hour. Um, and then they're like, so, you know, we have this, this church group meeting on this, like, are you interested? I'm like, no, thanks anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. But it was like, wow, I was all of that bonding. Yeah. But it was like I was a lot more open and honest than I'd been in like a long time. Um, so like from the outside perspective, like, oh, wow, what an intimate moment, you know, sharing all these these insecurities and, and hopes and dreams. And I'm like, yeah, but with a complete stranger who I never spoke to again. Those are good points, because like when I had long hair, actual like. Again, like you said, like having someone like run their fingers through my hair or like give like good head scratches, that was something I loved. And I still love it, but I do have shorter hair now because I got, recently got it cut. So, of course, a little different to have someone run their fingers through my hair. It's not quite the same experience right now. You should get it cut even shorter because then it gets like really soft in the back. Well, I mean, I got it. Well, I mean, it is really short. So it's almost a bob, actually now no no i'm saying like get a clipper clipper oh clippers are great like the the humming like it feels so good i don't know if i have the courage yeah. for that anyway number six <laughs> clipper it makes your hair i don't know if i have the strength for this it's like a cat <laughs> sorry but yeah so i mean i'm not a big i mean i'm probably i'm pretty aromantic i identify as gray aromantic i did do cuddling in the context of a romantic relationship and I don't think I felt, you know, more intimacy, per, you know, per se from doing it. I was more indifferent or neutral to it almost. I didn't crave it. And I later decided years later, after that relationship was long over, um, that in general, I'm kind of demi-sensual and I only crave things like hugs and cuddling maybe once I already have like, I don't know, fallen in love or like essentially, you know, I'm super close to someone. Um, and I do sometimes crave it also when I'm, um, like 
like when I was really traumatized or like really upset, then I just want a generalized desire for someone that I know at all to hug me or something. It doesn't really matter how close we are as long as they're not a complete stranger almost. So there's different levels of like that. But for a while before I like realized that I actually am maybe Demi in terms of my sensual attraction, um, I thought I might even be touch averse or the very, like it's a really complicated thing, but I definitely felt close intimacy via things like sharing a lot of quality time and a lot of deep quality conversation. So having that emotional vulnerability type of moments where you share a lot of details about your life story, maybe share secrets, maybe share, you know, things that not everyone knows. But now, you know, you know things about them that a lot of other people don't know, and they know things about you. It does, I think, build a stronger connection. It's not necessarily only something I do once I'm already intimate. It's like how I start to become intimate with certain people. And I gauge their reactions to my life story and either feel less close or more close after I see how they react, kind of, and vice versa. Like, I feel a certain way about knowing more about someone else, too, right? (laughs) So, Yeah, I think think that makes, like, a whole lot of sense. And I think sort of my example of saying like, oh, these things aren't necessarily intimate is kind of being a little superficial because they could say like, oh yeah, well, sure, these acts taken in isolation are examples of things that can be intimate, but maybe they aren't. But certainly someone who I was kind of pursuing maybe a long-term somewhat intimate relationship with like a, a queer platonic partner or something, I would necessarily, like, I would have to be comfortable cuddling them or it's like or it wouldn't really be it wouldn't really fit my definition and understanding of like intimate, like oh this isn't really an intimate relationship unless we're cuddling and being emotionally vulnerable uh, anyway so I, like i saw the summer post and i was like oh hey our next ace interpretations episode is about intimacy like what a great uh, i mean not coincidence just like uh, what's the word apropos anyway this is by celestial moonchild uh, and they say, intimacy is beyond kisses and cuddles and sex. Intimacy is getting a headache and taking a nap and waking up to your laundry folded and your partner rubbing your back. Intimacy is crying and yelling at night about your past to someone who listens and comforts you. Intimacy is watching shows in your PJs for hours and eating pizza together and being able to communicate love through holding hands. It's never running out of conversation, but doing it anyways to enjoy silence. I like that last line a lot because I definitely feel that way with people I am particularly close with is that we can both be more comfortable in the silence and also be truly never, ever seem to run out of things to say, even if we've known each other for years and years. Yeah, that's what I felt, too. Honestly, I like that whole thing. That was all just really nice. It's nice, warm and fluffy. Yeah, it's very fluffy. It is very like... And it's something that doesn't just apply to, oh, this is how aces can be intimate. It's like, this is intimacy in any relationship. Like, any sort of committed uh, relationship is sort of like, could see this reflected in it. There was a really good, I think, five-part post that um, that someone posted to LiveJournal, and we'll, we'll share it with uh, on, on our arc of our own page about this episode but back on asexual awareness week in 2011 they had a f- five parts of all these non-sexual intimacies broken down into categories 
And some of the ones that stick with me are just like, when you've been through certain um, types of life events together, like you were there when their child was born, or you were there with traumatic events type stuff, and they mm. happen more often in fiction. So it kind of ties back into the fandom thing more. You know, they, they actually talk about that in this post about how, you know, the stakes are usually higher in the lives of characters than yeah, so there's more chance there's more chances for these intimacy. Like it's <laughs> funny because when you started that sentence, when you go through certain, and there was like a long pause, and I was like, when you fight a mountain troll together, <laughs> right? That's a really was, good bonding moment. Yeah, let me tell it's you, like, you it just is, can't it help is. but be friends uh, afterwards. And I'm like, Rowling was right. <laughs> And no, it's exactly that. She she was capturing the, uh, you know, in, in the Harry Potter first book, the idea that, you know, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are closer friends than they would have been had they not needed to try to fight for their lives in this, you know, particular way fairly early into the first, you know, the, the first part of the series. It hits me up. Like, they were 11. Like, I have a better understanding of what an 11-year-old is, and now I'm just, like, horrified that three 11-year-olds were facing a troll. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's really not that great. But let me tell you, as a D&D player, it's true. Like, nothing bond you guys, like, having to fight through an enchanted door that has actually just door-slammed your compatriot into the floor. Mm-hmm. Nothing bonds you more than that. Other things that are, um, like, definitely can be intimacy in certain cases are being seeing each other cry kind of things. Like, that's a pretty, you know, vulnerable thing in just a very, like, literal mm-hmm. sense. Um, but And that's if the whole it, emotional openness thing. And if, it, you know, you can cry in front of strangers, you can cry in front of people you don't like and don't feel intimate with, but it's a different experience than if you, you know are with someone and it just made you closer that you saw them cry or something. Yeah, that's like, a I don't good know. point. It's, like, what yeah. you just the, the idea that it is a different experience with people you're close to. Um, you know, and, and that's not just, like, crying, but, like, other things. It's like, oh, you can, like, like, cuddling, I think. You know, there, depending on who I'm cuddling, like, there is differences there, depending on, like, how well do I know this person? Yeah. But, like, the, some of this, like, five-part Tumblr post that I'll link includes things like um, trusting each other with your money or even sharing a bank account is, like, an interesting type of intimacy or, like, just in general, you know, living together, even as just, you know, strangers who are roommates become more intimately familiar with one another because they're living together kind oh, of thing yeah. or whatever. Like, there's there's different ways intimacy can play out. <laughs> oh, no, that is definitely true. So yeah, there's just a lot of ways that non-sexual intimacy can really be a thing and that you can lean on other ways to show characters like, you know, know each other really well. Like they can order each other's food in a restaurant. They can, you know, finish each other's sentences. They can trust each other with really important things and whatnot. And this could be... um completely aromantic as well in most cases there's a way to interpret things in a platonic light but for certain people some things are a lot more romantic than other things is this a good time to bring up kink why not okay 
I mean, it kind of matches up. I mean, it's an, again, it's another form of intimacy that bonds people. Sometimes very, very literally bonding them. I think it's a good time to bring up kink, especially since I think it might be left out of this five-part Tumblr post from 2011. And it's an important okay. one. Quick definition. And I'm like, actually not really sure how to define kink because I think it's kind of like the word porn in that its usage has shifted a bit. Um, even like rather recently. Um, and when I say that like porn's usage has, has shifted, I mean like porn is still porn. Um, but if we like now there's things like talking about like food porn or identity porn, which like the word porn there just means like a gratuitous and indulgent degree. Identity porn is a thing. Oh yeah. Identity porn. Okay. So identity, this isn't the super, sorry. I'm glad you asked because I heard that it was just sitting here just like thinking about it. Like, Oh my God, what is that? Oh, okay. In, in the superhero fandoms, right. Um, when there's like all these like secret identities floating around, like identity porn. Oh, now I get it. Yeah, identity porn now is a story it. in which it's like, oh my goodness, there's so much dramatic irony like dripping from this page because they don't realize that they're actually talking to this person and they have a, you know. Okay, I might have heard of this term now that you put it into a fanish light. I know. The, t- the second she went into like secret identities, I was like, nope, now it makes sense. Yeah. So it's like, that's like. I totally know what this is now. Like, if someone's like, okay, this story is just, like, has, like, so much, like, playing with identities to a, such a gratuitous, self-indulgent degree, you was like, oh, that's the identity porn trope. Um, so, like, Miraculous Ladybug um, is a, a good, that's a French children's cartoon. Oh, you mean that, that whole square relationship triangle? Yeah, so it's like, you know, Marinette... And I'm blanking on his name. It begins with Adrian. I say it's Adrian. (laughs) Yeah. So they're, you know, two teenagers and Marinette has a crush on Adrian, but they also both have uh, secret superhero identities as Ladybug and Chat Noir. And Chat Noir has a crush on Marinette's identity of Ladybug, but neither of them know each other's secret identity. Um, and so it's like, and shenanigans ensue. Um, so that is like. Right. But so back to a non-sexual kink. Yes. Right. Getting back on topic. So kink, I mean, according to Wikipedia and a few other places, kink is supposed to be non-normative sexual behavior. So it's a broad term for like things outside the norm that are still sexual. And we have, there's, there's been this whole, you know, growing movement that hasn't really, you know, been picked up by Wikipedia and dictionaries quite yet of no, all these things that were sexual kinks can also be often non-sexual can be done in non-sexual ways. So, it's like it starts from this sexual context almost and then became desexualized or something. I'll, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I know don't how know to explain there's, it. Um, there's like the kink meme prompts on. Is that still a live journal? I have no idea. Anyway, does it doesn't matter. Because um, not only are things that are like traditionally sexual can be presented like non-sexually, but even things that are like non-sexual to begin with sometimes get referred to as kink 
Um, yeah, so there's kinks that were like never sexual to begin with, but then there's also things that are like part that are you would be tagged or considered like BDSM, but non-sexual. So BDSM, which people like might be familiar with but might not know what it, what it actually is, it's both an acronym and a portmanteau. Um, cause like if you fully stretch it out, it would be B D D S S M as in bondage, discipline, dominance, subservience, sadomasochism. Um, but they kind of shortened it to just like BDSM. Um, and so that has its own stereotypes and we're not talking about 50 shades gray because actually that is a very bad example of what BDSM looks like. Um, like the, the BDSM community is kind of like, oh, why do you have to misrepresent us so badly? Because a big part of it is like the is SSC, so it's like safe, sane, and consensual. Um, and like what Fifty Shades of Grey is like, there was too much power imbalance. Like, was it actually consensual? Like all these other, like they weren't really doing it with best practices. Wasn't there a Try Guy video that actually talked about that a little bit? Possibly. I don't know Try Guy, so I wouldn't know. I've never heard of Try Guy. I'm going to look into that. Okay. Yeah, I do know that, like, there's been, like, studies done that looked at, like, couples that engaged in, like, BDSM versus couples that you guess would say were, like, not kinky. Um, and they found that there was, like, better communication um, and, like, some other, like, metrics that they used to sort of score, like, the health of the relationship. And they found, like, BDSM couples did have better communication. Um, and I don't know, I don't want to overstate it because it's, like, been too long since I looked at it or saw, you know, the article talking about it. Um, but some of it is that, like, there is, like, there is a more overt discussion over, like, what each partner wants and desires instead of just, like, going at it and kind of like assuming satisfaction or like getting like insecure about or or not wanting to insult the other but like there's all these things going on that like in BDSM that you're kind of like okay we're gonna spell it out but but getting more to the point it can be not sexual which is like kind of a head scratcher for some people who are like wait isn't the whole point of it to have like really kinky sex and we were just talking about um you know talking about how kink itself um, at least according to Wikipedia, is like a sexual term, um, but that in fandom spaces and, and other spaces too, increasingly kink can be like not necessary sex. So, for example, I have seen and read fics that are like uh, non-sexual age play. So, I guess I have to define age play now um, without going into too much detail. That would be like one partner is pretending to be much, much younger than they are. So, it's like if you have two adults, one of them could be like playing out or acting out being a toddler like two years old or six years old or eight year old or ten year old it doesn't the actual age is something that gets worked out like where are they comfortable and so yeah there's a very very lengthy uh avengers fic that's like several hundred thousand words long um that does explore this and like colson kind of initiates it as sort of a team building exercise but he also realized like he has this group of like deeply traumatized people um, who kind of use it as a form of therapy of like, okay, reverting to like a younger age state, um, allows them to like work through some things. Um, so each of the Avengers kind of like goes to like a different state of age. And it's not just like playing pretend, uh, my understanding. Like it's not like, oh, well, you're playing a role or doing script. 
though it can be like like that to start um it's kind of like the way we can actually measure meditation as like shifts in whatever kind of brainwave that is like there was a physiological change um i think there is something similar where you're kind of like oh you can the way you engage anyway that i went on that about that much longer than i intended but yeah so things i've seen in bic uh without like getting into too much detail um but like non-sexual age play non-sexual pet play non-sexual bondage um i know there was like one uh fic in particular that was what is that word uh shibari you're tying people up with ropes it's a like a japanese art that it anyway uh and like spank like all these things that are like typically thought of as being you know sexually kinky um can just be forms of like intimacy and one thing i have heard people like we've separated out a lot of forms of attraction like aesthetic versus romantic versus sensual versus sexual and you can also consider kink to be a separate axis of attraction some people feel and for a lot of allosexual and alloromantic people who don't feel their attractions as separated when they feel kinky it's tied to the sexual feelings for them which is why it's so hard for them to imagine it being non-sexual but for other people it can be separated and so it's like it for for certain people they might be completely um not not sexually um motivated by any of the kinky situations it's some other motivation that's like pure kink or something and it's hard to describe and it's not my personal experience so i'm probably butchering it all but well, that's that, the gist <laughs> that, yeah perhaps unrelatedly reminds me and i think i've, I've used this description before it's like oh are you you know asexual or like gray asexual you know like where you fall in the spectrum and i was like okay like not not being like am i sex or pulse still have i don't know actually but I've, I've sort of said like okay i could be that i just have like a very weirdly specific kink that will get me really hot and bothered under the collar and i just have not encountered it before because it is such an obscure weirdly specific thing like oh hey you know if it was like a guy in a chicken suit on a unicycle reciting shakespeare on a mountain then you'd be sexually snow. attractive and it's like oh if i saw i mean i, can I both Im- want to see that i also really don't i mean i can imagine it in my head and it doesn't do anything for me but it's like oh maybe at some point i will be like something but oh wow that is my very specific kink that will get me exactly but like i haven't encountered it yet <laughs> And I don't. <laughs> it's um, a thought. Yes, you gotta start scouring the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't think it exists, but like who knows? Like the possibility exists. Yeah, there's. So I'm trying to think what I've said earlier to kind of pick it up. Um, yeah, so some of these things like are are like usually seen as sexual, but can be not sexual, and most people don't know about this. And the fact that I know anything at all about it and i can tell you what what safe sync consensual is and i've like learned more about like safe word usage and like the traffic light system and like it's from fandom actually like it's this i think have we mentioned it before how like fandom is a good has in some ways become like a supplement to sex ed because sex ed can 
be lacking in like so many different things. Um, I don't know if we ever said it specifically, but it's true. Again, the internet has become this big wealth of information that people can go and find things that they can relate to, connect with, and yeah, and fandom has like the idea of if something squicks you, you can list it and ask that this not be included in a gift for you in a fan work exchange or stuff like that. And and also like let's not shame each other's kinks and all sorts of other aspects of it that are um educational for a lot of people and I think shape the way we go forward in the rest of our lives too. But that's cool that you learned about all this kink stuff from fandom. I don't think I learned about it that way, but it it's definitely a way that yeah, people can learn about it. I both kind of did and I didn't. For me, I think I've mentioned this before. My mom has anatomy books like all over the house and stuff like that. So I've grown up reading a bunch of different books and everything like that. And even like the book I recommended in the last episode and everything like that. So some stuff, you know, I was able to read in some of the books that were around the house in terms of like, there were psychology books and things like that, which talk about different like headspaces and things like that. And then there's also stuff that I just kind of like went poking around for. Cause I was like, I know nothing about that. Let me Google it. Fandom was one of the things that sometimes came up with the Googling. It's supplemented. Yeah. So there's a lot more to talk about on a lot of these subjects, and we'll probably do more focused future episodes on a few of them, perhaps. But for now, we've covered a lot of good ground, and I think it's a good time to move on into Rex. All right, can I, can I wreck mine first, since we were just talking about non-sexual kink and mine has an element to that? Of course. <laughs> so my, my fic is in the Smallville fandom and it is by the same author I've mentioned this in her work before. It's either Josephina X or Josephina X. It's written so I honestly don't know and I don't want to make an assumption either way. Um and the title is well it starts with like an ellipsis and it's like dot 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 Clark is actually pretty okay with this, thanks. Um and that's okay just O and K, not spelled out O-K-A-Y, because I was trying to find it in my bookmarks. I'm like, I know it has the word OK, and I didn't find it. Really interesting, and again, this is sort of where I, I mentioned, like, oh, like, education, like, what BDSM can actually entail. So it picks up right after the episode Wrath, so I think, like, a certain amount of familiarity with Smallville is necessary, specifically, like, I don't even remember what season. Oh, yeah, early season seven. Yeah. Um... But, like, Lana's just made, like, an attempt on Lex's life, who, and I don't remember season seven well enough, like, they've either just divorced or are still married or something going on or something. Anyway. Um, they, they, they're not married anymore in season seven. Okay, thanks. <laughs> and so it starts with this, like, little canon divergence in which Lex doesn't just let her get away with it he strikes a deal with clark which is kind of like i won't press charges against lana um if you and he words and then here's the thing like in this in the fic he's like he says like a life for a life and it's surprisingly like very fluffy actually despite like it's sort of angsty beginnings their their interaction becomes actually like a lot healthier than what it was in the show 
which was just very antagonistic. I really like this author's take on Lex's character, and I apologize to anyone who's not seen Smallville because I don't know why I'm talking about this character. I don't know anything about. For the record, it's okay that you're talking about Smallville as much. I know nothing about it, but I'm still interested. Okay, so one of the things, as someone who's not seen Smallville, like you probably know that Lex Luthor is Superman's nemesis, right? Like this is a a fairly oh no, I definitely know that. Yeah, that, is, that part I definitely know. That is something people know. And here's the thing: like Smallville starts with this premise of like Lex and Clark were once upon a time close friends, oh. and so we see Lex's kind of descent into villainy as like this gradual process. I've already talked about this too long, um, and I cannot find the exact section that I would just like read it. But this is my favorite part right here. Um, the whole thing is a work in progress and unlikely to be updated, um, but it doesn't really end on a cliffhanger, so you should be all right. It's like 54,000 words. It was last updated in 2012. Um, this author has sometimes updated things after like five years. But it's been seven years, so. Right. Um, yeah. Do either of you have any questions? It sounded pretty compelling. I mean, yes. And at this, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. There's so much of me that's questions about like Smallville in general, but I'm not gonna get into that right now. Okay. So I know what I'm gonna do. I think the tags on it are pretty illuminating. So it's alternate universe canon divergence. Um. And the tags are BDSM, sort of, but not really. Kind of more of a platonic brofist, actually. No, really. Definitely a prank war. Yeah, my mind is just weird like that. Clark gets collared, by the way, if you like that sort of thing. Yeah, it actually is Jen, believe it or not. Sometimes there is serious business, though. So... <laughs> okay, Clark yeah. gets collared and all of that. That is... Fascinating. That is certainly that is certainly in the pet play dynamic. That yeah. paints a picture. Yes. Yeah, but it's sort of like it talks about because Lois is kind of like the voice of reason at times, and she sort of sees what's going on. Like they kind of stumble into it somewhat accidentally. Um, like they don't sit out and negotiate. Quick point: Isn't Lois always the voice of reason? Depends on the interpretation of it. Touche. Um, like Terry Hatcher in. In New Adventures of Superman was like sometimes the voice of, no pretty the voice of, sometimes the voice of recklessness though like she'd be like well, hey let's go into this warehouse and Clark would be like wait hold on she wanted the story <laughs> yes she's a good reporter <gasps> damn the torpedoes um <laughs> yeah so like Lois is the one who's kind of like knows a little bit more about like BDSM scene and is kind of like it's like oh yeah no this is like you know, all this dummy subby happy feels, and then Lex and Clark are mostly, like, they don't have the vocabulary, and they also, like, it's not, like, a negotiated thing that they've worked out. They're still, like, feeling things along. At this point in the show, they were very antagonistic, but here it's kind of, like, you still see that underneath that they still care about each other, and a lot of it was just misunderstanding, because, like, Lex didn't have the complete picture. Um, so he was like, he's aware of aliens, um, and that they attacked, and that he feels, like, obligated that as one of the few people on Earth that knows about aliens, like, to do something about it, to ward Earth against a future invasion. Um, but he doesn't know that, like, 
Krypton was destroyed, and therefore there is not a future wave of aliens coming. Anyway, yeah, no, highly, highly recommend. Um, it's a fun story and a good look at, like, kind of understanding what, what BDSM can mean beyond just sex. BDSM or, like, isn't pet play separate no, from, so like, domination? And- it can be, but it can also be intertwined with it. Yeah, because, like, usually the pet is the subservient one, and then, like, the owner is right. plays, like, the dom. I guess I almost understand, but have not looked into yeah. it deeply enough to fully know when people do and don't use the term BDSM. But that makes sense. There are articles for that. Yeah, but then there's, like, this this dose of small billion logic, which is, like, man, when there's all these, like, meteor mutants running around... Um, anyone who'd like consent to be tied up is like super dangerous because you're going to get like your brains eaten or something um, because that's a thing that actually happens in this town. <laughs> so it's like, it's just, it's funny. Like the little bits of like, Oh yeah. The show, the show realism of like, what is it like to actually live in a town where like all this really weird stuff is happening and people <laughs> like know about it and respond to it. And like, it's somewhat like, I don't want to say, like, realistic ways, but, like, they treat it as, like, uh, a real part of their lives, not just, like, the meteor freak of the week, but, like, the ongoing threat of meteor freaks. So, so, so this is addressed in the fic, is yes, what I'm hearing? sort of in passing. There's a, it, it goes a lot of places, this <laughs> okay. fic, because it's, like, 50,000 words long. It gets a lot done. That's pretty uh, awesome. It is. That's pretty awesome. That yeah, they... It is incomplete and unlikely to be completed, but it doesn't really end on a cliffhanger. It just leaves you wanting more because it's like a good story. You're like, I would like there to be more of this good story. I hate when that happens. It makes me a little sad. They've also on the on the flip side though, they've written a lot of other stories. Uh, uh in the small like a lot of them exploring variations on a Clark Lex dynamic. So like you can just read more of different things and kind of like fill that <laughs> appetite. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting wreck and different from the other wrecks we've had on the show so far. Yes, and I now have so many questions about Smallville. I actually had a little bit of trouble finding a fic to wreck this week. And that was because, so I actually read a fair amount of kind of fluffy fics or fics that involve fluff just because... I enjoy it. I think I've mentioned that before in one of our other red things where I'm like, I enjoy fluff. Fluff is a nice time for me. I just enjoy having a nice little happy thing. But I wanted to find one that was more just about non-sexual intimacy and was didn't travel into a bunch of different chapters and didn't go into anything else. And so as I was flipping through some of my old ones, I found this little one-chapter fic. It's 1,700-some words. It's called Long Way Forward by Tech Manticore, which is all one word. The M is capitalized in Manticore. I'm not quite sure why, but there it is. It is for the Urian Ice fandom, but I really liked it because, again, it's this little nice intimacy moment. Basically, it goes into Yuri and Victor having another moment of 
kind of expressing themselves and communicating. And the intimacy in this actually has to do with having makeup applied, which can be so stressful if you've ever had someone else applying eye makeup to your face, for the record. And I just found it to be really nice because... Yeah, it was just this nice moment of one character's community actually like reaching out to the other and it's a nice meeting halfway kind of thing and supportive. Sounds sounds like a really good exploration of the intimacy. Well, and, and it has to do with insecurity. So there is that factor to it. So if kind of reading about insecurity can be tough for you, do take that into account. It's light insecurity, but it is there. Cool beans. So for my wreck, I kind of did the opposite of what you guys were looking for, because I knew our episode was also about <laughs> sex, and as a sex-averse ace, I generally gravitate towards ones that don't include sex, or I find I like them more if they don't include sex or whatever. When you're talking, when I say ones, I mean, I when it comes to ace fic, like fan fiction with ace characters... I'm, like, annoyed if the ace character is too far removed from the type of ace I am, because I'm usually looking for representation of myself. But I have read some good things in the past with gray sexual Sherlock and other things, and I was decided to start searching for something new. And I found this mature The Big Bang Theory fic that follows um, canon quite closely, and has way more reviews on fanfiction.net than on Archive of Our Own, but it was published both places simultaneously. So there's a much bigger The Big Bang Theory fandom congregating on fanfiction.net still. Archive of Our Own doesn't really have as many of those fans. I have not really seen much much of this show. I mainly know about it from, like, you know, secondhand accounts and stuff, I guess. The whole drama with Sheldon Cooper being totally written as totally coded as asexual on the show and then eventually there's the whole drama where he finally has sex with amy this is an amy sheldon male female mature fic it's called the sexuality quandary and it's written by april in paris it's seventy nine thousand one hundred and forty two words and it just covers everything from Honestly, we've been operating under the assumption that he has no deal through, like, whatever... It, it goes really quite deep into, like, the entire show and all this unpacking of the, the Amy and Sheldon relationship and them both being on the ace spectrum in different ways. And the summary says, Where does Sheldon self-identify on the sexual spectrum? A serious exploration of Sheldon and Amy's relationship physical and otherwise, as it is presented in canon and how it may be shaped by Sheldon's internal conflicts on sexuality. Does his self-examination lead to off-screen honesty about their relationship? Or is it why assumptions and miscommunications plague them? Canon. Notes. A note on the rating, because it's mature. While this story does follow canon, and thus there will be coitus, it's an M-rated story for the subjects covered and the technical terminology used. Sheldon is a scientist, and not a shy one. Neither is this story. That feels like a really on-point wreck. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Very, it's- very just... Now, full disclosure, I have not read 
through, I think, chapter 11 when they first have sex, I am still starting reading. But the parts I've read so far, and I've read a fair amount considering I only found the fic, like, this morning, um, is <laughs> quite compelling, especially considering I haven't even really seen the show. I just know a lot about it and seen, like, a couple really early season episodes. Yeah, like, I, I haven't... I've, I've seen through season three. I'm basically reading it from an outsider's perspective, but it's still really good. And I read a, like a lot of the comments and everyone says it's like the m- best fic ever. So I'm like, I, I feel safe saying it's in character and well done. Cool. <laughs> okay. Well, I uh, that to my reading list. I think. All right then. Yeah. So those are our three wrecks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What a long and winding road it has been. <laughs> So we actually have a YouTube channel and a Tumblr now. Both are not very active yet. Um, but if some more people start following us on Tumblr, we might use it more. And we may or may not continue with the YouTube channel. I'll add the newest episodes to it. But if we don't have subscribers, I'm not sure if there's a point to it. I was thinking it might help us reach more people, but... At the same time, if you like listening to the episodes on there, reach out to us, let us know. You can email us at acetterpretations at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at acetterpretweets. And you can find our Arc of Verona account as well under acetterpretations. So we're on our at the end of our last episode on intersectionality and gender, we brought up the point of intersectionality and race. Um, which is a really important topic, but not one that we as three white aces are all that qualified to talk about. Um, if we were to do that episode, we would like to hear um, other voices. Uh, and so this is us reaching out, reaching out to our listeners. If you are interested in being uh, a guest speaker, if you want to be on the show and talk with us, uh, let us know. Um, because we would really like to put that episode together, but we can't do it uh, without a more diverse cross-section um, of, of the asexual pie. <laughs> yeah, we. if you know anyone who might not be a fan of our podcast, but who might fit the bill for being ace and in fandom and a person of color maybe ask them if they're interested and help us recruit. I don't know. We need someone to just have, you know, maybe even more than one person, ideally to have conversations with us in that episode, or maybe to have conversations with each other in that episode. If we have enough people, the main thing is that it's just really important to us that we get intersectionality, right? And we can't do that without other opinions and other voices in this conversation. Yeah. If there are other intersectional topics that, um, you're hoping we'll cover like disability or religion or or a bunch of other ones being trans and you fit into that um, um, we have more intersectionality episodes to do so in lieu of doing uh, another intersectionality episode which we can't really do until uh, we get more intersectional speakers uh, we're going to do something a little bit different next episode and do one focused on uh, fandom uh, like one fandom in particular. Uh, so next next time we're going to be talking about Harry Potter. Uh, we're still in a sexuality and fandom podcast, so it's not just going to be a Harry Potter fandom podcast. Um, but uh, we'll see we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no, there's lots of ways that uh, there are lots of 
asexual fanfics that have been written, I guess, is the biggest uh, and, and headcanons. So we have plenty to yeah. talk about. So it's, it's a large, I mean, part of it, it's a large fandom with a lot of fic written for it. And there are some comments that Rowling's made about Charlie Weasley. Think about the compensation for this episode. We spent this episode not totally mentioning fandom. And next time, we're going to talk a lot about fandom. I'm looking forward to it. Woo! Yeah, Harry Potter will be a really fun change of pace. It will be an interesting fandom, because that's, of course, one that, you know, started when I was but a wee nerd. (laughs) You said a wee nerd. I heard three, and I'm like, you're not that young. As in a small nerd. As in, I I had not yet branched out to all the things I'm in now. Well, the cool thing about... um about Harry Potter as a fandom for our first specific fandom episode is that all three of us are familiar with it. So we will in the future do some that not all three of us are familiar with, but we're starting off with one where we all have a base of knowledge. So on that note, we're, uh, that's a wrap, I believe, unless there's any, any last comments now. Okay. This is, uh, Thank you guys for giving us feedback for this episode. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Quartic signing off. This is KK signing off. Good night, guys. All right, and this is Love the Heaven. Goodbye. <laughs>